0: Today's reading is from Jonah, chapter 1, verses 7 to 17. Come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots, then we'll know who is to blame for the trouble we're in. So they cast lots, and the lot singled out Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business, and where are you from? What is your country and what people are you from? He answered them, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. Then The men were seized by a great fear and said to him, what have you done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do to you so that the sea will calm down for us? For the sea was getting worse and worse he answered them pick me up and throw me into the sea so that it will calm down for you for I know that I'm to blame for this great storm that is against you nevertheless the men rowed hard to get back to the dry land but they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more so they called out to the Lord please Lord don't let us perish because of this man's life and don't charge us with innocent blood, for you, Lord, have done just as you pleased. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. The men were seized by great fear because of the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights.
1: Well, good morning, friends. Good to see you, or oh, half of you, at least. Um, hi, everyone online, whether you're watching this morning or later in the day, um, it's great to be with you today as we uh, keep going through the book of Jonah. Um, yeah, welcome, Isaac. Good to have you here, mate. I had grand plans of showing Isaac around this morning and um, you know, showing him the ropes, but the ropes this morning involved trying to help fix the sound desk, so we'll show you around later. And um, yeah, Jeff and Megan, it's been a, a long road. I feel like I've been part of Jeff's growth group for a while and kind of been uh, inching towards this point, and here it is. It's been great to have you as our church, part of our church family for a long time. Um, you've served in all kinds of ways. megan You've been on team as a warden, and um, Jeff's just injected so much enthusiasm and experience to our scripture team over the last little while, and we go on. So great to have you guys here. We look forward to hearing how you guys settle in um, down the coast. And if you don't get the chance to, make sure... well. Make sure you get the chance to say goodbye to Jeff and Megan uh, this morning. All right, we're going to turn to Jonah, but before we get there, let's think about some anatomy, biology for a minute. (coughs) The appendix, right? It's a pretty funny little bit of your body, don't you think? Not much purpose to it, that, that at least we know of. Just you don't give it a second thought until, of course, what? Until it launches its revolt and suddenly this small, insignificant thing becomes so dangerous, you need to get rid of it as soon as possible. You can end up facing serious illness or even death. Uh, hands up if you no longer have an appendix. There's a few... Oh, is there any, I do want to. You'll know what we're talking about. Uh, it's like the terrorist sleeper cell of your body, don't you think? The unseen enemy, the danger that you don't know is there, and of course, Dangers you don't know are there are the most dangerous kinds of dangers, aren't they? A few weeks ago, the appendix belonging to my wife um, decided to launch its attack out of the blue. Launched the attack. Now, at first, right, don't admit it, it's probably just gastro, something, something we ate, you know, everyone else is okay, but, you know, you're not, not okay. It's all right, though, we can handle it ourselves, but no, it was dangerous and she needed saving, didn't she? I'm really grateful for um, our medical services for a hospital um, just down the road. Um, I'm really really grateful for that. And then poor old me, right? I was left with four kids (laughs) and a Christmas show to pull off in the coming week. And I didn't want to admit it, but I needed saving too. And I'm really grateful, uh, especially for a a church family who looked after my kids and fed my family and uh, worked hard to pull off a great Christmas show in that week as well. Um, We needed saving. We needed help rescue beyond ourselves and we kind of don't like it because you know Ellie and I we like being in control I'm sure you can you know uh, feel the same way too we like being in control but it's reminded us again how little control we have uh, in life how little control we have and perhaps this past year 2020 as we've kind of shut the door on it um, has reminded us how little control we have too it really was the year of the hidden enemy right underneath our mask-covered noses, as the invisible virus continues to wreak havoc on our freedoms, our communities, um, our families, the health of many, wreaking havoc the world over. I kind of thought we were on like a bit of a good trajectory, but here we are. Many more online uh, today. Uh, everyone back in masks. We're holding out for salvation. We're holding out for a cure, a vaccine. Our lives are in the hands of those who actually paid attention in biology class at school. Thank God for them. The vaccines are coming, they say. ScoMo says so. Uh, Salvation is on its way. It's a new year. Perhaps we can turn a corner. I wonder what your hopes are for 2021. Maybe it's the year we can get a bit more control, you know, um, back on track with our habits and our diets and finances and exercise and parenting, whatever's been slipping in this last year that we'd rather forget. But today, actually, as we look at the book of Jonah, we need to resolve, to make a new year's resolutions, not to hold on to control, but to give it up. We need to put ourselves in the hands of someone else, not in the hands just of the the biology nerds or the politicians, but in the one who is strong, stronger than any hidden danger, who's dealt with the greatest danger any one of us could ever face. And it's really important because, like me, you probably like being in control. It's your natural state. We don't like feeling helpless, but giving up this control is our path to saving. Now, we're going to... um, Jump back in, I keep wanting to say dive back in, into the the story uh, as we uh, left it um, last week. We're going to just do a little recap. We're going to look at it from the point of view of the sailors in the boat. The sailors uh, in the boat. We're going to see how this story echoes into the biggest story of the Bible, uh, how it shows us the power and the beauty even of Jesus. Um, And we're going to think about what this means for us, the hidden dangers we face as we look at at Jesus, the God with us, the one who can save. So where were we last week? So Jonah the prophet, um, if you remember the story, he'd been told to get up and go. Get up and go, preach to the great city of Nineveh. Nineveh, the, the kind of the superpower enemy empire city. But instead of getting up and go, he goes down to the port, heads on a sh- ship to whoop-whoop, and he goes down, down to the bottom of the ship, and falls deep into a deep sleep. God says, get up and go. He goes down and says, no. But for the sailors, right, the sailors heading out from Joppa, uh, this, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a normal day at the office, These guys, they're paid to transport goods across the Mediterranean, they do it all the time. Uh, Sometimes people catch a ride on their boats, and that's fine as long as they stay out of the way and let them get on with sailing the ship. They check the horizon, look at the forecast, should be smooth sailing, literally. But it's the danger under their noses which is just about to get them. Suddenly, from nowhere, great Wind whips up, a storm crashes over the boat, the wooden boards beneath their feet which have crossed this sea thousands of times. These boards are straining and creaking and the sailors were fearing that their ship is going to break up at any moment. This is a storm like none they've ever seen. We're too heavy. We're taking on water. Oh, we've got to throw the cargo over the side. We throw the cargo over the side, we're not going to get paid. Would you rather get paid or die? Just do it. All hands on deck. Throw the stuff over, pray to your gods, right? Everyone do something, pray. This is a storm like no other. The gods are angry with us. Hey, you down there asleep, get up, pray to your god. Make yourself useful. Call on your god, maybe he will listen, maybe we will live. And the storm rages, right? They do everything they can in their own power and control to save themselves. They've rolled the sails up. They've chucked the cargo overboard. Nothing left they can do. They get under the deck, into the hold, into the cabins, close the hatches, and pray. And as they're there, huddled below the deck, despairing of life, we pick up that story in verse 7. Come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots. You know, let's do something... Uh, a random thing to help us see who whose issue this is uh, then we'll know who is to blame for the trouble we're in so they cast lots and the lot singled out jonah god allowed jonah to be chosen as the one to blame then they said to him tell us who is to blame for the trouble we are in what is your business where are you from what is your country what people are you from As Ryan talked about last week, uh, people in those days had a very strong sense of this is the God for this land, or for this land, this is the God of the sea, Uh, uh, and so which God have you upset? But as Jonah answers them, and what he knows of God, he sees how futile it is to try and run from the true God. He answered them, I'm a Hebrew, I worship the Lord, the God of heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. He says he worships, literally, he fears. Fears the Lord who made it all. The irony is, right, he doesn't fear him nearly enough. The sailors have an appropriate reaction. Verse 10, the men were seized by a great fear and said to him, what have you done? See, the men knew that he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do to you? so that the sea will calm down for us. For the sea, believe it or not, was getting worse and worse. Now, you've got to picture this conversation happening in the right place, don't you? This is not a relaxed conversation over a cup of coffee. Oh, why do you think the storm's happening? It's not a courtroom. No, no, they'd be yelling to be heard over the roar of the ocean and the wind. If they were below deck, it would be dark. They'd be pitching and rolling. A lantern wouldn't stay alight. They're terrified, Right? Positive they're going to die. You're running from your God? And you said he made the sea? (laughs) We're in the sea? And the land and everything? Are you crazy? Now, they're sailors. I'm sure their language would have been a bit stronger. But, you know, you get the idea. Well, what do we do to you to make this stop? Jonah has a moment of clarity. He says, throw me overboard, he says. Throw me overboard. It's my fault the storm will stop. Throw me over, if I die, you will live. My death will give you life. My death will give you life. Throw me overboard. Now, hang on. <clears throat> Just hit pause for a moment on the story. Just <clears throat> turn the waves off for a moment. I'm not sure, to make, not sure what to make of this moment of Jonah. Because uh, it could be, right, it could be a moment of clarity, where he goes, oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've done the wrong thing. He sees the errors of his ways. He understands the gravity of what he's done. He's making a heroic sacrifice. Maybe. I don't know, though. I can't help wonder, why doesn't Jonah call out to God? Why doesn't he cry out to God? Why doesn't he say, Lord, I'm sorry? Why doesn't he beg for mercy? Why doesn't he just say, all right, okay, I'll go to Nineveh. Please stop the storm. Surely that'd be worth trying first. Because he sees God as the powerful one. He sees God as the powerful one, but he doesn't kind of see him as the one he can cry out to and repent to. Look, this guy's a prophet. Even though he's a prophet, even though the, the pagan captain said, cry out to your God, he doesn't cry out to God. I wonder if even at this moment, he prefers death to Nineveh. I wonder. Now, he will eventually cry out to God He'll eventually say, sorry, but it'll take something, take something worse than death to get into that point. We're going to get to that next week. But for now, he says, no, no, Throw me over. It is the only way. We're back in the story now. The sailors around him say, no way. No way, crazy. We're not going to kill you. Men, just let's get the oars out. We're going to try one more time. Let's, let's row our way clear of this storm. We can, we can outrun the storm." And they try and they try, and the storm gets worse and worse. And so they're exhausted, they're defeated, terrified at their wits' ends. And the sailors cry to God. Not the Hebrew prophet crying to God. The, The pagan sailors cry to God before he does. Verse 14, so they called out to the Lord, please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life. Don't charge us with innocent blood. Look, we don't know if this guy's telling the truth or not. If we kill him, don't don't blame us. This is what he said. And what's what you've done. For you, Lord, have done just as you pleased. You are in control. Then they picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea. And the sea stopped its raging. The men were seized by a great fear of the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Happens just as... Jonah said. Ah, he was a prophet after all. Got something right. The storm stopped. And the sailors, they went from fearing the storm to fearing the God who could stop the storm. Fearing the God that Jonah didn't fear, did not worship enough. Who is this God, they, they ask. Who is he? And they show their fear, their, their worship, their honor of this God in the way they know how. A, a sacrifice, promises. Vows to the Lord. Imagine the poor sailors, they'd be exhausted, shaken, terrified. They'd just kill the man so they could live. Imagine they collapsed on the deck in the supernatural calm after the supernatural storm. What the heck just happened? Who was this God? A God who, who punishes disobedience like this. A God of almighty power, a God of ruthless justice. A life demanded for this act of rebellion. A God of justice to be feared. This is what the sailors saw. But of course, we see more than the sailors. Sailors don't see below the surface. They don't see what happens beneath the waves. Instead of justice, what? Mercy. That last verse there, a great fish sent by God to swallow Jonah to sustain his life. What we see is a God of justice and mercy. Now, I don't know about you, I think I'd rather die than spend three days in fish guts. What do you think? I mean, however that worked, I don't don't really know. In some ways, it might not look like mercy from God. But perhaps the mercy is not just saving Jonah's life. Perhaps the mercy is giving Jonah the prophet a chance to finally see God for who he really is. And as we read Jonah, that's what we get to see as well. God as he truly is, a God of power, of justice, a God of mercy and salvation. This short little book of Jonah has already begun again to reveal to us the reality of our God. As the sailors learnt, as Jonah is reminded, we see the reality of the Lord who made the heavens and the earth and everything in them. Like, that's a huge claim, isn't it? We know it in our heads, we hear it in Sunday school, God made the world, God made everything. But how does that translate to our hearts, if that's true? What does it mean that God made everything? Well, He's created, well, the implications are huge, as Jonah finds out. He sees that no part of creation is beyond God. No part of creation is beyond God's hand, no part of creation is beyond God's kingship, no part is beyond His sovereignty. No part of creation or humanity is beyond God's ability to use for, uh, and to shape for His purposes. Sovereignty, right? Sovereignty, sovereignty of God is not God with a remote control over a bunch of mindless robots. That would be powerful, No, no, sovereignty is much more powerful than that. Sovereignty of God is God's kingly power to work out His good purposes and plans, even through the sins and failures and rebellions and tragedies of His failing people. I'll say that again. Sovereignty is not God's control over a bunch of mindless robots. Sovereignty is God's kingly power to work out His purposes and plans, His good purposes and plans, even through failed, sinful people like you and me. That's true for us, just as it's true for Jonah and for the sailors. No storm, no rebellion, no disaster of sin is beyond God's ability to use for His glory and for our good. That's sovereignty. That's that's power, isn't it? That's scary, big power. I think when we see that, when we see God's power not just in you know, moving things around and making storms happen, but in, 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 in working His plans out, even through us, we see that. I think like the sailors, we too should fear this Lord. It's no coincidence that that word for fear is that word for worship in this context. The sailor's fear is the same as Jonah's worship that he claims to have. Because for us, a right understanding of God does start with seeing His power, His kingship his ownership of the cosmos. That's what the sailors see, right? But the sailors, as I said, only see so much. They only see so much. They see what's above the surface. They see a God who acts in the way they think gods should act. You look at most of the, the religions of the world, this is how gods act. They punish when they're angry. They relent when justice is served. You give them things, you make sacrifices, you promise to keep them on your good side. They're the gods you turn to after you've tried everything else. After you've thrown everything overboard and rowed as hard as you can, only then do you obey and give up control to that kind of God. That's what the sailors see. That's what many in the world see God as. But we see beneath that. We see beyond that. Even just here in these four chapters of Jonah, we see surprise. We see the surprise and scandal of a God who doesn't treat people as their sins deserve as they deserve we see god who gives life to those who deserve death we see the great fish of mercy because we see jonah instead of getting up in obedience and going to nineveh going down down to the depths even there he finds god's mercy that's jonah's god that's our god too but even the, the, the view of, jo- of God that we get through this book of Jonah, I think it's like the, like the pen- pencil sketch um, compared to the, you know, the, the high-definition, 4K, technicolor beauty of God as we see him, as he's revealed further and further, as re- is revealed in Emmanuel, in God with us. Because we see God most clearly, where? In Jesus. And I think Jonah is getting us ready to see this in even greater definition In in greater resolution, Uh, Ryan mentioned this last week, and he didn't go too far and steal my thunder, which is good. But he he kind of gave us a hint. You know, we read the story of the storm here, the storm that stopped, and we're reminded of that other storm that stopped, are not we? If you've read Mark chapter four, you, you you hear Jesus, you see Jesus, many many years later, fast asleep, surrounded by experienced sailors who are well out of their depth in an unexpected storm. But instead of Jonah being the danger under the sailors' noses, Jesus sleeps there as their salvation, as their salvation from the storm. He's the one with the extraordinary power of the Creator God. Power He shows with with those words as He commands the storm to stop. Now, the sailors with Jonah, they ask, who is this God that that controls the wind and the waves? And the disciples with Jesus say, who is this man who controls the wind and the, the waves? Who is this God? Who is this man? Turns out they're asking the same question. This man is that God. The disciples, they spend those years walking with Jesus. They learn more and more of the dangers under their noses, the danger they are in, the danger they can't see, the danger Jesus comes to deal with. Bigger than any storm on the lake. Bigger than their Roman oppressive rulers. A danger they could not save themselves from. The danger of being separated from this creator God. The God who made the heavens and the earth. Separated from the love and the life that only he gives. The danger of death itself, faced by every man, woman and child. The undefeatable enemy Jesus came to defeat it, to defeat it. Just as the sailors face death, so so we all do. And Jesus, like Jonah, makes an astonishing claim. My death will give you life. My death will give you life. God, through Jesus, says, because I am a God of justice, your rebellion must be dealt with. Because I'm a God of justice, your rebellion must be dealt with. And because I'm a God of mercy, I will deal with it. Because I'm a God of mercy, I will deal with it. And so as Jonah descends to the depths for those three days, so Jesus goes to the grave. Taken down, 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 not by the weight of his sin, but by mine and by yours. And he says, my death will give you life. My death will give you life. When all seems lost and hopeless for humanity, justice and mercy collide in, in spectacular majesty as death gives birth to life. Jesus goes down to the depths to bring us up to life with God. It's spectacular. It's amazing. Now, to be completely honest, there are bits of the Jonah story that I struggle to, you know, fit with how I know the world works know what I mean? I've caught enough fish and gutted them to know that even a very large fish, right, is not going to have room for an adult man to sit and kneel and pray like in those children's books you see, Do you know what I mean? How does breathing work it's surrounded by the gastric juices of a submerged fish for three days and three nights? It's hard to get my head around, isn't it? And I want to give you permission to find that hard to get your head around too, yeah? Because I hate for you to sit there and go, it's all just kids' stories, right? There's no way this could happen, this is rubbish and stories for children, but to to say that would be to miss the major point. Now, because on one hand, you know, if God made the world and the sea and the land, everything in it, and sustains everything in it, if He can make a storm start and stop, if He can do all those things, sure, He can use a fish to sustain a man's life for three days, sure, but again, not the main point, not why the story was recorded for us in the Scriptures. The big fish is not the big fish in the story. God is. God is. Because what I want you to believe and know truly, deeply in your heart is, is something far more extraordinary than a fish sustaining a dude in his stomach, you know. Uh, what I want you to believe and see is that God had this written here for us so that you would see Him better and you would see with greater clarity the miracle of what He has done in our world. The thing He was going to do, rescue not just one man, but a multitude of humanity from death. And we see through Jonah, God's heart for the world, for the nations. This is the key thing, right, that God's Word is saying to us as we come to it today in Jonah. As the Word of God comes to us, we see Him in His power, we see uh, His justice and mercy. So as God's Word comes to you, how do you respond to it? As we're confronted with God's Word, as it comes to you, how do you respond? Because the story right back, Jonah 1 verse 1, the Word of the Lord came to Jonah. And as we read it, it comes to us. The Word of the Lord has come to us through the Scriptures, most clearly through the Word become flesh, Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. The word of the Lord comes to each of us in Jesus. What do we do with it? Do we run? For some, perhaps, like you, like a bit like Jonah, your natural inclination is to run openly from Jesus, to close your eyes to the to the dangers and, and of sin and death, to catch the boat in the opposite direction to God and sleep through the storm. That may be you. It may have been you in the past. That's you need to remember that God, if God is who He says He is, there is no way you can run from Him. That sounds kind of scary and negative, but much more comforting is that there's no way that you can run, no depths, no failures, no sins, no mistakes that He can't rescue you from. You can't run to a place where God will no longer love you. You can't go to a place where His mercy cannot reach he's been to the depths, he can rescue you from there. There are those of us who run openly from God. But odds are, we're sitting here, sitting in church, watching online, that's not how we run from the Word of God. Perhaps when the Word of God comes to us, we run a bit more like the sailors do when the storm hits. I got this. I can row my way out of this myself. I think that's uh, far more likely to be us those who run from God but don't look like it. We can sit in these chairs and our hearts be a million miles away. How do we run? We run by not listening and engaging with God's Word. We run by just working hard at other good things. We run by keeping God in this kind of box which we kind of crack open a little bit on Sundays and then close again for the rest of the week. We run by building a wall around our hearts how are you more likely to run from God yourself? Uh, I know there's danger for myself. There's a real danger of just going through the motions. Uh, As a a pastor, I've got responsibilities, most Sundays, multiple services. And I think it's really easy for me to work at curating your spiritual experience, encouraging your relationship with God, providing opportunity for your connection with each other. I mean, what an amazing job. That's a great job to have, isn't it? Excellent. Excellent. But as my responsibilities increase, as they're going to do in the next little while, what a tragedy, right? If if in my prophetic and pastoral role in sharing God's Word, what a tragedy if I'd be like Jonah and forget to cry out to God even as I talk about Him. We don't want to lead. I don't want to lead by giving you opportunities for worship and prayer and confession and being shaped by God's Word at church. I want to lead by worshipping, by praying, by confessing, by being shaped by God's word myself. That's how I want to lead. And that can, be, that can be tricky, right? To be honest, if it's the third or fourth sermon in the day, I'm probably not there, you know, <laughs> all there in my mind. I'm probably working on something else in my head. But, but I want to be in church, not just doing church. And I love your prayers for me in that. I don't want to go through the motions for you because it's my job. I want to encounter the extraordinary God with you. But that danger is not just my danger at all. It's yours too. Friends, don't go through the motions because you're rostered on stuff, that so you've got to do. Don't go through the motions to please your wife or, you know, just because your kids want to come. That, that's running away, even while you sit here. You need to see that you can sit in these very chairs and your heart can be in a boat off the Tarshish, if you know what I mean. Sometimes God, in His mercy, will send you a storm to that boat to get your attention, to remind you you're not in control and you need to call out to Him. But let me encourage you, don't wait for that. Don't wait for the big storm or the little voice or a sign to turn your heart back to God. God has shown you Himself. God has shown you Himself in Jesus. As Jesus walked the earth, people asked Him and said, give us a sign Give us a sign that, of who you are and who you, you are who you say you are. And in Matthew 12, we read that he answers them, an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights." The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repent at Jonah's preaching. Oh, spoiler, sorry. But look, something greater than Jonah is here. We've seen the one greater than Jonah. We've seen something done far more miraculous than surviving in a fish. Jesus gone down to the grave. It couldn't hold him. Raised to life to give us life. To give us life. This is God and his power and his justice, and his mercy, and his love. Jesus who says, my death will give you life. Accept it. It will give you life. Friends, we're people who naturally run. We run in rebellion. We run as we try and control things ourselves. But see Jesus. Resolve to stop running away. Run to him instead. Now, some of you, that's how you get through every day already. Keep running to him. For others, your body is here and your heart and mind are far away. Perhaps today can be the day that we stop running, stop talking about God, start talking to Him, stop running from Him and start running towards Him. I'm going to pray for you and for me and for our hearts as we head into this year together. Father, so often we, um, we're here in mind and, or we're here in body but far away in mind and heart. Um, very often we try and keep you to Sunday, or to those spiritual times of the week. But Father, we ask that we would see more and more how little control we have uh, over anything. Father, we pray that we would see you not just as the God of, um, of, of justice and power, the scary God in the sky, but the, the God who's come down to be with us, to show mercy, to show compassion, to show love. For those of us who feel too dirty or too far gone to, to know your love, Uh, please remind us and show us that Jesus went to the depth to to reach us, to reach us wherever we're at. Father, I pray for each of us that we will stop running from you and run towards you, not just this year, but for our whole lives and into eternity. We pray this in the great and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.